morning. Good morning, everyone. It's nice to be here. I just realised when I got here, I've really worn the wrong outfit because I don't have a pocket to put my pack on, so it's on the back of my top. So I'm hoping it's not going to fall off or anything. <laughs> but anyway, it's great to be here. Um, oh, I just love coming here. I love you guys, and Sam and I just feel really privileged to be able to come and share with you guys, and I feel like we're starting to get a number of names and familiar faces, and so we're looking forward to just one day being able to call you all by name and know every single person's name in this place, but um, you guys are awesome, and we do. We really love being here. We had a good trip up this morning. It was, it was pretty wet and windy out there. It was a bit wild, but uh, we drove up. We left just after 7.30 and, and got here and just felt at home. You know, we walk in and just feel at home. It's yeah. neat. It's really awesome. Well, anyway, this morning I want to share a message with you. Um, when I was young, it was quite a few years ago too, um, we used to go to our friend's house for dinner quite regularly. And when we were at these friends, on their toilet door, they had this poem. And so, you know, I would get quite familiar with this poem because you sort of read it every time you're at their house. Actually, it's a great place for something inspirational because you can't help but read it. And so I got really familiar with it. And I want to share it with you this morning. It goes like this. You must learn that you cannot be loved by all people. You can be the finest apple in the world, ripe, juicy, sweet, succulent, and offer yourself to all, but you must remember that there will always be people who don't like apples. You must understand that if you're the world's finest apple and someone you love doesn't like apples, you have the choice of becoming a banana. But you must be warned that if you choose to become a banana, you will be a second-rate banana, but you can always be the finest apple. You must realize that if you become a second-rate banana, there will always be people who don't like bananas. Furthermore, you can spend your life trying to become the best banana, which is impossible if you're an apple, or you can try again to be the finest apple. Let's just pray. Lord, we thank you for this morning. I thank you for this awesome group of people that have come here together just to be in your house and serve you and feel your presence and hear from you. And I pray, God, that you would speak to every single one of us a word um, for our hearts, Lord, something that's going to encourage, something that's going to inspire and stir us on to greater things in you. So I pray that your presence would be with us and you would speak in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning, I want to look at that old battle of just learning to be ourselves and run our race, not anyone else's race, the race that God has specifically mapped out for us. And actually, I was listening to Pastor Stephen's message a couple of weeks ago. I think it was two weeks ago. Um, What was it called? The Power of My Shoes. And what a great message. If you were here, you would have loved it. It was really awesome. And it was funny because I was listening to it, and then I got to the part where you did the drama, and I don't know who was acting, but some of you were obviously dramatizing something. I couldn't see it, but it sounded really good. And I was excited because a couple of our thoughts crossed over. So, um, yeah. But what I want to focus on this morning is um, just that whole thought of running our race. So I want to read to you Ephesians 2, verse 10. It'll be on the screen if you want to follow along. It says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. But I like the amplified version, and it is quite amplified. It's a lot longer. But let me read it out to you. It says, For we are his workmanship, his own masterwork, a work of art, created in Christ Jesus, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, ready to be used for good works, which God prepared for us beforehand, taking paths which he set so that we would walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us. 
I love that verse. It's where his work of art, his masterpiece. And a familiar verse to all of us is Jeremiah 29, 11. Not the version on the screen, but the one that you know. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. They are plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. You know, those verses are great, and they tell us that we're made in the image of God, that He has a purpose and a plan for each one of us. And as we try and be our best, God's going to reward our faith and our effort with His power. And I'm glad about that. You know, we're all incredibly gifted in different ways. And like you heard a couple of weeks ago, we all have different shoes, we all have different talents. But we live in a world where everything's measured, everything's um, compared, who looks the best, who's the most successful, who has the most money, who's the fastest, who's the most intelligent, and all these things. And because we live in that kind of world where we're constantly um, faced with all that comparison, it can be hard to be happy with just being ourselves, to be comfortable just to be who we are. And what does being yourself really mean anyway? If you're anything like me, over the years I've struggled to figure out who I really am and what I really think as opposed to what people are telling me I am or what people are telling me I should think. And it's, it's a bit of a journey to even work it out. And who I am is an ongo- ongoing process, it's evolving, because as we go through different stages in life, time changes us, people change us, circumstances change us challenges change us, life changes us. And sometimes God takes the things that we thought were our weakest part of who we are and he turns those things around and they can become a real strength used for his glory. But the key is trying not to be someone else, not trying to live up to other expectations that have been put on us, not trying to do something we're not gifted to do just because we feel like someone's telling us to do it, but being true to who we are. While we might wish we could change some things, swap some features or gifts, the reality is God made us exactly how he wants us to be, and he's given us everything we need to do for what he's planned for our lives. Romans 12, verse 5 to 8 says, We have different gifts according to the grace given each of us. If your gift is prophesying, let him prophesy. If it's serving, let him serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's to give, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. God has gifted each of us with different gifts. And our job is to be the best us, the best me that I can be, the best you that you can be. And as we start to get that and live that out, there's incredible freedom and liberty and joy in being who God created us to be. And I feel like it's actually something that gets easier the older we get. You know, we sort of get a bit more um, familiar with who we are, a bit more comfortable with who we are. But it doesn't matter what age we're at, what stage we're at. It's something we need to be reminded of and constantly come back to, to be who we are, who God created us to be. And, you know, the great thing is we don't have to have a great gift for God to use us in a great way. This morning throughout this message, I want to have a look at Saul and David. And so in 1 Samuel, we see that the gift that David had that put him on the radar to become king, that put him on King Saul's radar and the people's radar, wasn't his amazing leadership skills. It wasn't his dynamic personality or his good looks or even his ability to play and write music. Actually, it was his ability to accurately sling a rock. He was a sharp shooter with a slingshot. And, um, you know, when David was a shepherd, 
I'm sure he never dreamed that that ability to be able to sling his rock in, in that slingshot was going to one day lead him to killing a giant and becoming a mighty warrior and a leader of all the warriors and eventually end up being king. He probably thought that, you know, it was no big deal. He was just out there in those hills looking after his sheep, doing his thing all alone and, you know, killing the odd lion and bear. No one was watching. But it was that slingshot, that seemingly insignificant gift that he practiced and he honed out there in the desert that enabled him to defeat Goliath and started him on his journey to the throne. And David was a man who was okay to be himself. You know, when he was going out to defeat Goliath, you heard this a couple of weeks ago, he went before the king and and King Saul put on his armor, but he couldn't hardly move because it was so heavy and so big. And so he took that armor off and he said, you know what, I'm just going to go, I'm going to use my slingshot, I'm going to grab those five stones, and with God on my side, I'm going to head out and defeat that Goliath. And that's what he did. He took his slingshot, he took those stones, he took God with him, and together they defeated King, King um, not King, Goliath, the giant. A sling, a stone, and the power of God was all it took. But this story is not limited to David. It's not limited to other Bible characters. God has given each one of us a unique gift. There's something he's placed in every single one of our lives that he can use along with God's power and his anointing on that gift. He can use it to do something great. And I believe he will do it. He will do that in our lives as we give it to him. There's a story about a little boy in John 6, and we all know it. He um, had a lunch. He had two fish and five loaves, and God used that lunch, but it wasn't, much, it wasn't very significant, and yet thousands of people were fed because when the people were hungry, Jesus took his lunch and he multiplied it, and all those people had lunch. But, you know, that story is not just about a boy who had a lunch. I believe it's about a mother who made a lunch. Yeah. You know, there was a mum... She would have got up that morning, I reckon, and she would, have, she would have baked that bread because she probably couldn't just go down to the dairy and buy a loaf. She would have cooked those fish and wrapped those fish up. She would have made sure her boy was looking good, sent him off with his lunch, never dreaming that that lunch was going to go down in history, that that lunch was going to be recorded in the greatest book of all times and to be talked about for decades and centuries and the millennia to come. And, you know, the gift of being a parent can absolutely change history. We have a whole lot of history makers right in our homes that we have the power to influence. So let's not underestimate what God has placed in our lives. You may think that you don't have that much or that your best is past, but don't underestimate yourself. You know, this is a great season to be in. God is opening more doors than I've ever seen before in such a short time. I mean, Church Unlimited Tuvalu, that's so exciting. It's so exciting to have that kind of opportunity. And um, he's positioning you and I for such a time as this. If we'll use our gifts and our talents for him, if we'll be open to give them into his hands, then he's going to do something great with whatever we've got. And all we have to do is be ourselves and use what we have, use what's in our hands. And I'm not saying that, you know, in this message, we shouldn't have big goals and we shouldn't be trying to become better and um, better ourselves. We absolutely should do those things. We need to dream big and have goals in our minds that we're going for. We need to be upskilling and trying to get on, keep, keep getting better and do different things and step out of our comfort zone. All of those things are really important. But what we need to do is what, when we're doing those things, just always remember to be ourselves, to come back to who God's created us to be and be that best apple that we can be, not that second-rate banana.
<laughs> so with that in mind, what I really want to talk about this morning is running your race. In life, we're all in a race, but our race is made up of one person, you. The problem is most of us end up competing against a bunch of different people. You know, it might be our friends or our siblings or our colleagues or um, someone else, even our spouse at times. We can end up competing, but our race is not actually a competition. Although the world is highly competitive, and like I said before, you know, they're always comparing looks and money and job and position and um, all those sporting ability, all those kind of things. Worldly values, though, have nothing to do with God's values. We're not in those competitions. We're not even in a race against anyone. Each of us has a God-given race to run, a race of one, and that's you. Hebrews 12 verse 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Like most things, it's easier said than done. And I've run a fair few races over the years that have not been my race um, one of the things I've always dreamed of being is really funny. I really wanted to be um, just one of those people that just comes out with funny things. I wanted to be a, a preacher that's super funny. And, you know, like if any of you heard any of conference this year, you might have heard Mike Pilavachi. That guy is so funny. He, I mean, he used to get up the stage and say a couple of words and he's got the whole crowd laughing. And I just, I really wanted to try that. And so, you know, I've given it a go at times and I've tried to say these things. But the problem is they're really funny in my head. But then, you know, when they come out, I don't know, don't know what happened, but it just it wasn't that funny. I mean, I'm the kind of person that can hardly tell a joke without forgetting the punchline. So I've come to the conclusion that I'm not called to be a comedian for Jesus. I'd like to be, but I'm not. So I'm going to leave that race. Um, another race I've tried is cooking. I like baking. I really like baking. And I'd love to be a great cook as well. And we went away with some friends of ours a little while ago. And she, my friend Stephanie, she's one of those people that, you know, she just gets some chicken and puts a bit of this and a bit of that and a few other things and puts it in the oven. And then out comes this amazing meal. And she did this like night after night and we had these great meals. So I went home, we got back from holiday and I went home and I I pulled out all my cookbooks and um, I started flicking through, like honestly, and I started flicking through and I'm looking for something that looks like what she did. And after half an hour, I threw those cookbooks back in the cupboard. I pulled out my chicken from the freezer and I pulled out my can and I put the rice cooker on and that was our dinner. And you know what? I would love to be able to cook amazing meals, but it's not my gifting. I don't have the time. I don't have the energy, and I just don't think that's what God has called me to do. I'm sure I could get better, but I'm going to leave that race, and I'm going to stick to what I'm good at, and there's nothing wrong with packets. They are, they're fine, and fortunately, Sam, I mean, he's not exactly wasting away, so he's okay, but he's <laughs> but looking good, looking really good, um, but he's good too. Like, he's not fussy, so that, <laughs> that's a blessing. <laughs> um, <laughs> Don't worry, when we have you for dinner, we'll buy, we'll buy food. <laughs> I've tried um, dabbling in a few sports over the years. Mm, not my race, not my race. Fitness is my race. So I'm hoping that our kids have got Sam's um, talent in the sports department. They're not going to learn those things from me, unfortunately. You know, those are just lighthearted, funny things. But um, the reality is I have run many different races that have not been my race. And I have to come back and go, okay... You know what, I don't have to 
outcook anyone. I don't have to outplay anyone. I don't have to outfunny anyone. I don't have to do anything except for what God has called me to do. I have to focus on running my race and be the best that I can be. It's not about others' races. It's about mine and how God sees me and what he's called me to do. King Saul had this problem as well. He got distracted and he started losing focus of his race. In 1 Samuel 16 verse 21, we read, So David came to Saul and stood before him, and he loved him greatly, and he became his armor-bearer. Then Saul sent to Jesse, saying, Please let David stand before me, for he has found favor in my sight. And so it was, whenever the Spirit of God was upon Saul, that distressing spirit, that David would take a harp and play it with his hand, and then Saul would become refreshed as well, and the distressing spirit would depart from him. Notice in those verses it said, And he loved him greatly. King Saul loved David greatly. So this was a good relationship, maybe a great relationship. And as time went on, David excelled in battle. He killed Goliath. He became head of the um, leaders of all the men of war, and everyone loved him. And I guess things were still going okay. As far as we know, things were going okay. But, and Saul loved him, you know, but then a couple of verses down in chapter 18, verse 6, it all went horribly wrong. Verse 6 says, Now it happened as they were coming home when David was returning from the slaughter of the Philistine that the woman had come out of the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines and with joy and musical instruments. And so the woman sang as they danced and they said, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. Then Saul was very angry. And the saying displeased him, and he said, They have ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed only thousands. Now what more can he have but the kingdom? So Saul eyed David from that day forward. And the Living Translation says, So from that time on, King Saul kept a jealous watch on David. Now in fairness, I feel that any one of us who were in King Saul's position and, you know, our good friend David over here is sung about, about their 10,000 people that he's killed and we've only been sung about our thousands, we'd probably all feel pretty angry. We'd probably all feel reasonably jealous and, and quite put out, to be honest. But the problem was Saul went from being angry and upset and jealous to obsessed, crazy and intent on killing David. He lost focus on his race. He began to compare himself to David, and he never recovered. He never really got back on track. And I want to have a look for a minute at this comparing business, because I feel like comparing is one of those annoying things that so many of us fall into the trap of of doing, but it leads to three outcomes, and they're all bad. The first one is that we compare, and so we think we're better than, and that leads to pride. Or we compare, and we think we're worse than, Well, that just leads to jealousy, inferiority, and discouragement. Or we can feel like we're as good as, but that leads to complacency, like we're doing okay and we can carry on how life is and and we don't strive to become better and to get closer with God. Comparing is a waste of time, energy, and emotion. And it doesn't work because we're not meant to live exactly the same life. There's a great quote that says, don't compare your chapter one to someone else's chapter 20. You know, sometimes we look at people's lives and we think, wow, you know, they've done this and this and this and they're, you know, they've got this and they've this and this. But they might be on their chapter 20 or we're just starting out. You know, give it a couple of years. By the time we're in our chapter 20, we might have done something similar. It doesn't really matter, though. Comparing is just, it, whichever way you look at it, it doesn't achieve anything good. And, you know, look, this is something I've really struggled with over the years. I think 
um, you know in your head that comparing is not achieving anything, but it's hard not to compare. It's hard not to get trapped into that. Some people struggle with it more than others. I'm one of those ones that have struggled with it. And I'm working on it, and I'm asking God to help me not to compare, but focus on running my race. And I think the scary thing is, as a parent, you know, you start to see it in your kids. And I've seen it in Zach and Emma at times. And I think, I don't want them to live that life because it, it, it t- binds you up. You know, it, it doesn't give you the freedom that you need. It doesn't give you the confidence. It's, it's a real negative thing. And so seeing it in them makes me want to try even harder to get free of that thing. And by God's grace, I will. And maybe for you guys, some of you out there have that same battle. And, you know, we can go to God and we can ask him to help us and he will absolutely help us. We can be free of comparing. Or maybe it's something that you've never thought about, but if you think about it, you actually do it quite a lot. Well, I want to encourage you, join me on this journey. Let's get free from comparing. It is a waste of time. Um, 2 Corinthians 10 verse 12 talks about comparing. It says, For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they, measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves, are not wise. And Galatians 6 verse 4 and 5 says, Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else, for each should carry their own load. So God is not for comparing either. That's pretty obvious, isn't it? Theodore Roosevelt said, comparison is a thief of joy. I think that's very true. Another quote goes like this. If you continuously compete with others, you become bitter. But if you continuously compete with yourself, you become better. We're in a race of one, just us. When we give our best to the world, we won't be imitating anyone and we'll be running our own race without competition. You know, let's count our own blessings, not the blessings of someone else. Well, my little boy, um, Zach, is into cars, as most boys are. He's into sports cars, and he's often looking out for them on the road, and he likes watching the Indy 500 with his granddad and other such races. So as time has gone on, I've got a little bit more familiar about these sports cars. So sports cars are single-purpose, high-performance vehicles. They're gas guzzlers. They can reach high speeds and cut corners at 60 miles per hour, I'm told. And they're made to win races, and they suit a certain kind of driver. Definitely not me. On the other hand, normal cars, like most of ours, are multi-purpose. You can't accelerate to 100 kilometres per hour, although I think it would be very handy if we could at times. But um, normal cars, they're made to be way more economical um, to run than sports cars. They can take passengers, and when you go on holiday, it's absolutely amazing what you can fit into that car. Uh, So they're quite different. Sports cars are made for winning. They're made for entertainment. They're made for fun. Normal cars are made to be practical and functional. Which is better? Well, it really depends on what track you're on, doesn't it? I mean, if you're on a racetrack and you're out to win, then clearly the sports car is better. But if you're just driving on a normal road and you've got a family to consider or other things, then a normal car is far more better and far more suited to us. So it's not about... The point is that they're built... You know, it's not about which is better. They're built for different purposes. And so are we. Each one of us is created by God for a specific purpose... And God isn't going to judge us based on our neighbor's ability or talents. He's not going to judge us based on someone else's race. He's going to judge us based on what he called us to do, what he asked us to do with what he gave us and how we can answer to that. You know, he's not going to look at um, 
what giftings our parents had, whether we did better than them. He's not going to look at our siblings. He's not going to look at who had the most steps recorded on their Fitbits or anything like that. He's going to judge us simply on the assignment that he gave us to do and the gifts that he gave us. And we want to be able to stand before him and be able to answer, you know, did you run your race? And we want to be able to say, yes, yes, I ran my race. I gave it everything. I used what you gave me. I focused on my race. As with everything else in the Christian life, faith is a huge key. We have to believe that God has a great plan and a great race mapped out for each of us. And we have to believe that that it's good and that he's going to lead us all the way. And as we trust and obey him, he will take us all the way. And sometimes we look at life and it doesn't look good. It's messy. It's, it's complicated. It's confusing. It doesn't make sense. And we can wonder where God is in our race. Is there any race? But, you know, we have to go back to faith and hold on to that God is good. He has a plan. He will use what we are going through, what we've been through. Somehow, some way, he'll bring that back. He'll use it for good as we keep running that race, as we keep focusing our eyes on him. Hang on to that faith. Saul was called to be a slayer of thousands. David was called to be a slayer of ten thousands. It doesn't matter which is better. It matters. What matters is that we do what God has asked us to do. And, you know, it can be hard if others surpass us or outperform us, but that's okay. All we have to do is be ourselves, run our own race, help others, cheer them on, be there for them, but keep our eyes on God because his opinion is the only one that matters in the end. Sounds easy, but sometimes it's, it's really hard. But, you know, it's a foundation we need to get right if we're going to go all the way in God. As a church, God has a unique and a specific plan for us, and it's different from other churches. In fact, every church has their own unique, specific plan, their own unique race, just like we do as individuals. And so it's really important not to compare as churches either, but run the race that we're called to run. For Church Unlimited, our main calling is our mission statement. It's to be an arrow of truth an apostolic influence to win souls and ignite God's fire and power into the nations. God's called us to help reach New Zealand and beyond, our nation and the nations of the world. And we know what we're called to do as a church, and our conference is a big part of that calling. The campuses are a massive part of that calling, and you are a massive part of that calling. Because what we're called to do The calling that's on Church Unlimited is the calling that's on each one of you because you're part of the church. You're called to be an arrow of truth. You're called to be an apostolic influence. You're called to ignite God's fire and power into the nations. You're called to win souls. And you're called to be part of our conference, like we saw the clip before. You know, we need all of you guys. We so want everyone to get on board and to get serving in our conference. You're called to be a part of this campus. You are part of this campus. And you're called to um, contribute by serving or giving or just coming and loving on others. Whatever it is, you guys each have that calling for your life. And, you know, um, the thing that I felt in my heart as I was praying about this message, is that for every single person here, no matter how young you are or how old you are, that your best is yet to come. I really believe that. For every person, your best is coming. We just have to be ourselves and not run anyone else's race but our own and use the gifts that God has given us and watch him do something great with them. David's slingshot, the little boy's lunch, a mother who made that lunch, Whatever you've got, as long as you use it, 
and you be yourself and you give it into God's hands, I really believe he's going to do something great and your best is yet to come. Don't underestimate yourself. Don't think it's past or it hasn't come. Live in it now. It's here and God wants to use each one of you. This is an amazing church, Church Unlimited Whangarei. I mean, every time I come, I see these amazing people that walk through these doors. I see the same people serving week in and week out. I see friendly faces. I see a bunch of people that can go out and that can change this community because there's so much in your hands. There's so much that God has given you. If I could just have the musos to come, that'd be great. We're going to wrap this thing up. But you know... um, You guys are. You're incredible. You're incredibly gifted. You're amazing. And God has great things in store for every single one of you. I feel like for half my life, I've been running a whole bunch of different races. But I'm finally figuring out what race it is that God wants me to run. And I just got to stay focused on that race. Do I get sidetracked? Yeah, sure I do. Absolutely. We all get sidetracked at times. But the key is to catch ourselves and get back on track and run our race, our race alone. And as we do that, we're going to be more fulfilled than we've been before. And the best thing is that we're going to hit the mark for God because we're using what he's given us with being ourselves. Why don't you just stand with me this morning? We're going to sing um, the chorus and the bridge of Leave Me Astounded. And, you know, as you sing, I want you just to just spend a bit of time with God. Maybe you're in this place and, and you're not quite sure what that race is that he has for you. You're still trying to figure it out. That's okay. If you just live in the moment and give your gifts to God, he'll take you on that path. Why don't you just do a bit of time with him? Or maybe maybe comparing is the thing that you do actually really struggle with. Give that to God this morning. Ask him to take it out of your life. Whatever it is that's spoken to you out of this message, as we sing this song, just allow God to speak to your heart for a few minutes. Let's sing spirit full.